0: Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Ina Garten hostess with the mostest Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. Oh. In Yo Mouth.
1: I'm
0: the queen of food who's always in the, in the mood. She- to lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh, look. God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. She- so open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. I got mouth. The goosebumps. <laughs> Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And, I mean, we are just flying through this year. I, my birthday month is over. Yes, we can stop talking about it. But you know what we're celebrating this month? Um, I know, as if y'all are, aren't just sick of me celebrating things on this podcast. But this, this month marks three years of me being in y'all's mouths. Can you believe it? February 8th is the three-year marker from when I released the first teaser. I, I can't, I really can't believe it, that this has been weekly for 3MM years, but I am so grateful and honored to all of you out there who listen, who send me all sorts of love from across the world. Um, it is really, really greatly appreciative. Um, uh, I am appreciative of the love you show me is what I meant to say. And, uh, exciting things coming new logo more merch because why not um for those of you out there buying the merch thank you so much it's just it's just an exciting th- year and i am blessed to be here and i am just going to cut to the chase because today's guest i have actually been trying to get on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For three years. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming the one, the only, Jake Cohen himself. Hi, Jake. Hi. I, you know, persistence is key. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Well, you know what? That's that's the motto I use in my love life, too. Uh,
1: everything. <laughs> I mean, every. there is nothing in this world. You want something, you just keep...
0: Yes. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a
1: serial nagger, so I know. I know exactly. I mean,
0: but would you believe that I found an email uh, that I sent to you in 2018? After this is, I mean, just drag me, please, and, and do it. I'm terrible. No, 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 with email. no, no. I'm terrible
1: I, with everything, but yes, yes. No, no, no. It, it's incredible. I remember the day we met. It, funny enough, it was at a. It was at a Jewish event. It was at um uh, at a hotel uh, event that shall not be named. I don't even remember the name of the hotel. That's All great. I know is yeah. it was a, there was a, uh, it was like a screening of this documentary and it had something to do, I think with Israel. Uh, it, all I know is a bunch of my, Mike, Solomonov and, and Lior from La Boite were there and it was in partnership with um Bread's Bakery who invited me and we met yes. and-
0: Yes, and I remember. it just so happened. It was so weird because I feel like I conjured you because um, I had just – that's back when I used to have a pod, uh, a podcast co-host, and the podcast was very, very extremely different than what it is today. And we, ha- I had just found you and posted a Man Crush Monday, and then not two days later, you, like, showed up in front of me, and I was like – this can't be, (laughs) this can't be real. (laughs) And then I sent you an email and lo and behold you know what? Right time, right place um, because you're here now and I couldn't be more grateful to have you here. So thank you. My pleasure. Super nice to chat. Yeah, so for those of you out there in your mouth listeners that may not know who Jake Cohen is and I'm sure y'all know by now. Jake Cohen is a self-described nice Jewish boy who loves food. He studied at the Culinary Institute of America and went on to spend time working the line at New York City institutions, Danielle and ABC Kitchen. I loved ABC Kitchen. Um, He eventually transitioned out of restaurants and into food media, first at Savoir Magazine, where he was a recipe tester and then started writing and contributing to dozens of incredible food publications, including serving as food editor of TastingTable.com, as well as Food Critic for Time out New York. Yes, let me just pick up those names that I just dropped people. Lately, he spends his days at as the editorial and test kitchen director of The Feed Feed, and his nights are spent working on his first cookbook, Jew-ish, which is to be published by HMH Spring this year. I need to update my bio. I don't work at Feed Feed anymore.
1: I'm just Uh... so terrible with everything. It's so... No, no, no. that's, That's fine. I'm literally... I, I only it's so funny because I literally just took that off of my LinkedIn last night. I just am so <laughs> bad with my life and organizing it and everything. Like you said, like I'm a one man band and I'm just a mess. And, I, and I think it's part of the sh- it's part of the brand, and I lean into it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, pandemic times. If you can't be a mess, uh, are we even living in a pandemic? That's <laughs> that's it. Exactly. But before we get anywhere, I need. To start this pod the way we always start this pod. In the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Jake, I would love to wish you happy National Carrot Cake Day.
1: I do love carrot cake.
0: I love a carrot cake.
1: It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, there are a few things. I do not like nuts in my carrot cake. I
0: was just about to say that nuts or no nuts? You're no nuts.
1: No nuts. I need all the nuts. No nuts, no raisins. Like, I get it. There's a time and a place for, like, to me, that's like, Then we're getting to like Morning Glory muffin territory with like the coconut and the nuts and the raisins. And I'm into that. It's great just for a cake. I want a cake with a lot of carrot and that's it.
0: Oh, okay. I'm the I'm the exact opposite. Call me insatiable even. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the nuts and the golden raisins and maybe a splash of rum, you know. <laughs> Ooh. As long as there's tons of cream cheese for all saying, I am good. We we can agree. We can agree on that. Do you have a carrot cake recipe on your site? I saw I mean, my
1: no because my site like doesn't my site is like a business card. I really... I need to start... That'll be a, a project for once the book comes out. Then I'll do that. Right now, all my recipes I started doing is just keep having them live on my Instagram. Yeah. So I actually do have a really good carrot cake recipe in my reels. But the thing about that is it's easy for people to just see it and make it. It's hard because then you have to like scroll through if you want to find it. But to me, I think it's like it's worth the work. So just...
0: Yeah, let's do it. Listen, besides having a beautiful face, uh, Jake Cohen also has a beautiful, you know, curated Instagram of all the beautiful foods. Just while you're listening in your mouth, listeners, or mouthfuls, as I've been calling them lately, Jake, <laughs> because who doesn't enjoy a mouthful? Um, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Just go to his Instagram at Jake Cohen. Take a look at the beautiful face and the beautiful food while maybe, you know what? Find the carrot cake recipe while you listen. You know, it's, uh, you know, active listening is what I like to call it.
1: People, people have gone really wild for the carrot cake. There are, I have a devout cult of people who make my carrot cake recipe because yeah. it is very, very good.
0: It's, is it like your Grossi Pelosi vodka sauce? Do you know Dan Belosi? No, my,
1: of course, yeah, of right. course. Who doesn't? I mean, love, 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 grossy. Yes. Grossi. Grossi, Grossi's an icon. Yep. Um, yeah. But so like Dan's known for that vodka sauce, sauce, sauce. which I mean, I, I, are you, you're from New York? Yep, born and born raised, Spain? baby. Born, so also, so it's like we have the, the the things that we say, like we, my, my husband always makes fun of me because they're like certain words that um, I just can't, I just my mouth just can't physically make those sounds. Yeah. Uh, and anything with the auth is like a perfect example. I was just filming a whole, I was in st- in studio last week filming a bunch of food videos and I had to kept keep saying pause and it just the more I said it I feel like the stronger the accent got and just <laughs> there was no looking back. So like sauce with a w is really sauce with a w. My the version of that would probably be I feel like I I have things which I I never like to be I get bored of something when I become known for something too much I just move on yeah because I feel like a few years ago it was like I was doing like these
0: pasta twirls that everyone loved and then I was thin- yeah you li- I remember that you lived for a pasta twirl moment like you were having all the twirls people were like they called some
1: people call it like my butthole pasta because it was like very like meticulously swirled pasta. <laughs> <laughs> but and then I got bored of that, so I moved on. And then it was like it was avocado roses, or just like pretty avocado toast, which I still will do. It's like
0: to me, it's like my more more anus. You're like the Georgia O'Keeffe, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But
1: and and then it was like with that. I mean, to me, that was always like my bridesmaids moment. You remember that scene where like Kristen Wake like makes that gorgeous cupcake all alone in her kitchen, and then just takes a bite out of it. And to me, like that was that's the equivalent for that to me where it's like i'm in my kitchen i make this like gorgeous avocado toast and then she's like i right, just shove it into my mouth and and that's that's it moving on so then from there it came, yeah like i would say right now the big things are my challah um yeah that love your challah tadiq, the crispy persian rice i make for my husband um always yeah and delicious mashed potatoes
0: <laughs> i just love <laughs> smashed potatoes yeah, I mean, the internet the internet gra- uh, grasps on to odd things. Don't you th- don't you think It's always carbs.
1: It's something it's co- it's some kind of comfort food, some kind of starch or something visually appealing. It, it's you never know what it is, but as soon as it starts to take off, you just like see it and hold on to it.
0: Yeah. So let's just start at the very beginning. And I know y'all out there were waiting for like this day in gay history. But believe it or not, the more I searched, the less I found for February 3rd. So, you know, like we're just celebrating National Carrot Cake Day. And we'll just pick up the history next week. You know, history needed a break (laughs) this week, I guess, Jake. I don't know. But let's start at the very beginning. And, you know, talk to me about this love of food and where it began. I mean,
1: it's a love of eating. I think that's really where it always begins. Um, From there, I would say it really started in high school. I was not very popular. I was a heavy kid and I didn't have a lot of friends. And I started um, making friends through like hosting these dinner parties. And it became this really just like positive reinforcement of extending hospitality cooking for others and in return finding friendships growing and confidence growing and all of these things all around the concept of food and wait a minute you were
0: throwing dinner parties in high okay, school no, no, for like your this friends. wasn't like
1: i wasn't like cooking like fancy shit like this was very i was very basic very it was very like <laughs> beginning in the kitchen but again high school is so for most kids know either nothing or they really just like cook garbage
0: um I'm picturing I'm picturing you with a uh, w- you know, with your cast m- massive cast iron skid- skillet with your butter bath oh, and your steaks yeah. and and your lo- and like you know your mom and dad like plating like <laughs> you know sauces <laughs> on the on from the past yeah <laughs> and you're just coming and just like <laughs> swiping it onto the
1: floor. This is garbage, no. you know. This is garbage. It was very much like <laughs> printouts of Ina Garten recipes or Giada things. I mean, I I had mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. These two INA recipes and this one gi- Giada had this like chocolate honey ganache tart that I always would would make and everyone loved it and I always it's like looking back all of these things I made were like just so basic and it, it's just so funny how Food Network was able to just grasp the zeitgeist around food for so long um, just kind of
0: it was and and uh, funny, uh, funnily enough or funny enough. Um, the the time the rise of like Giada and Ina was a rise of like and I talk about it a lot on this podcast where um the food the food media, that kind of food show was very quiet and very beautiful and beautifully shot. And it was these stunning things and I and I remember sitting on my mother's couch watching these things and just longing for the the days of your you know Graham Kerr, the Julia Child, even the Emerald, like because it was there was more of a show to yeah. it. It was a lot more fun, and then not seeing a face like mine, right? Not only a, a Latino face, but yet um, a queer face, like an LGBTQ, and that's kind of where my food journey started. There still isn't. There still of, isn't a queer face, you know, which which to me is no. one of the big issues in terms of why.
1: That those kinds of platforms are really in the past and I think there's nothing but like hope for continual growth but at the end of the day it's like I want to be getting my content now from not just one place but a whole like array of voices and platforms that are going to represent the world around us, and to me, one of the main issues that we find, and again, this is in food media as a whole. Anywhere where there is there is like money behind it, and it's not someone in their home kitchen, there becomes this like translation of, of whitewashing or just making it approachable for. The idea of who the audience is versus like telling stories and having it be truly, truly, truly authentic, not to like a cuisine, because I also think that that's a very harmful thing in this world of of assuming that one person can represent an entire culture when so many of these dishes, especially ones that come from like diaspora cultures like my own, it's so specific to family. So the way that your mother makes something, a specific dish, can be completely different than someone else's mother. And and it's both beautiful. Yeah. And and I think it's hard. Yeah, you make it's hard when someone's like yeah, 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 this yeah. is like this is the recipe for blank. No, this is my
0: family's recipe for blank. I hope you like it. If your family makes it different, that's also beautiful. No, that's why it brings me so much joy. And I love that you just dropped that like wealth of knowledge about diaspora families. Um, it's and it brings me so much joy every Christmas to give every last Puerto Rican person I know or everybody who like makes coquito. Have you ever had coquito uh, growing up in New York? It, it, I mean Yeah. And there's
1: a there's a yeah, recipe but, that's going that's going around. Everyone's making this one recipe right now. I, I the the name escapes me of who's the author who who developed it, but everyone's making it and it's just been like it's been way too
0: long. Yeah, but it's but I love to just like give people a ton of shit about it because it's like my mother's way is the right way. <laughs> you know? And it's why I'm also so grateful that this my platform, this podcast in your mouth has turned into what it has turned into and become what it is um because it's not about me. It's a platform for people like us to not only you know talk about what we're doing and um what we're excelling at but share our stories in a different way through this food lens you know and it's been it's been really amazing and I that's why I'm really floored that's three years later I was like wow I can't believe like we're still trucking along here you
1: know <laughs> but it, it, it and it's a testament to perseverance in the sense of like sticking to your guns and again like I'm I'm, I'm I'm nothing. i not a nothing, but like I'm not. I'm not like a. I'm not a pioneer or anyone who's at the forefront of a lot of these conversations. I'm just someone who likes to listen and also apply it to however it affects my own life or the way I tell food stories. But the most important thing is it, it, it's no matter what. I think you can see the voices in food who are presenting something that they think the world wants versus just presenting themselves and finding their audience that naturally fits that
0: fits them and yes I've and this is a-
1: said that i'd rather have a, a small audience that loves me
0: authentically than a huge audience of me putting on a show and pretending to be something i'm not yeah for sure and this is why i was so excited to have you on the podcast um, and talk about, like, right time, right place, just because what you do is so authentically you. And, you know, more often than not, we follow these people on Instagram, TikTok, or wherever you're following, you know, these, uh, for lack of a better term, right, um, influencers, you know? (laughs) Everyone cringes, oh, (laughs) ever. I hate when people call me an influencer. But you follow these people. And you think you get to know them, but then do you really know them? And this is the place where, like, and this is my favorite thing about what I do and what I'm doing is really kind of getting deep into, like, kind of, like, the fun things about you and what else are you doing back there and how did this come about and and so on and so forth, you know? Like, that's that's where the meat is and that's what gives you this depth, you yeah. know? Right. Because is, the challah bread is gorgeous and I'm sure it's delicious. But like, you know what? It, it'll make me want to do that more just because maybe maybe that challah bread comes from your grandma or something. And and there's a special memory attached to it or or something like that, you know, and we've heard so many amazing stories just just throughout that way. And one thing that I love that you do is that you um, teach your man how to cook. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. How did, um how did that come about? It
1: was out of necessity. We were looking for things that we could do as a couple and and at the end of the day we don't have a ton of hobbies. We don't have a ton of uh, I don't know. We, we eat and we work out. So yeah, you, like, you don't have an OnlyFans? Yeah, uh, like no, 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 an alt OnlyFans out there? Um, <laughs> like, I'm, as you could tell, I'm not... A, if I was on Twitter, then then that might be something that could spiral. But I'm not even on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but I don't actually go on Twitter. But that when, I, when I'm on Twitter, it's just like, I only follow, follow OnlyFans pages, I think.
0: <laughs> you, you, listen, it's all I've done during the pandemic. It's
1: incredible. <laughs> incredible. And I've seen... Okay, just a little segment. Just on TikTok I end up finding a lot of these people through TikTok Um, and like I've known of Reno Gold forever and I feel like everyone knows him because he's such a, a popular OnlyFans person but he's used his platform and makes so much money much money but then he'll like don't he like did these this huge donation to elton john's aids foundation with, with like everything he made in december and it's just like stuff like that where, where it's i don't know I the, that just made me i really loved seeing that <laughs> and it made me want i don't subscribe to any only
0: fans people but it made me want to subscribe to his anyway listen uh, i mean why not you're, you're supporting small business uh, in a way sex work is work That's hello it. Hello, sex work is work. Uh, like, normalize seeing your friends' butts. That. That. So anyway,
1: <laughs> speaking of us, we did, we're did. we not going to go down that route as of right now yeah. in this current point of our life. Um, but we were working out together. We started to, like, try to exercise together. Um, but then the other half of that is what well, – that was – all right, so we would go to – do a spin class together, go to Equinox for a kickboxing class together. But other than that, the next thing was like, let's get into the kitchen together. And we started this in our studio apartment. So this was a galley kitchen, prob- about the size of my dining room table that I'm talking
0: to you right now. Um, well, I live in 120 square feet no, uh, no. in Times Square. No, you do not. Yes, I do. Yeah, when we hang up, I'll I'll give you a tour. It's a a friend.
1: I have a friend on the Upper West Side who has the same thing. He was on Rachel Ray's show for his tiny. I think it's even. I don't. I don't remember how many square feet, but it's around the same. So we were in a 400 square foot studio, which is is still tiny. um, But the kitchen was just absolutely minuscule, and and you have to remember that like this is where I was producing. This is where I te- like did the first half of like testing for my cookbook. This is I did it all out of this with like not even a full oven. It was one of like the 19 inch ovens, and I, I, it was oh. I didn't have a dishwasher, like all of this. So we started doing. Girl, I, I use a Hamilton Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I, I like, yeah, Shout out to yeah. you,
0: not a sponsor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um, the videos, I mean, it, it was just really, really, really nice to to. Find something that we can do. And and he knows nothing about food. When we first started dating, he lived in this um, apartment in like one of those like new high rises. We looked, we've, when we met, we actually only lived three blocks away from each other. We met on Hinge. um, And, Uh all right, Hinge. It worked. But he had Uh one of those like bachelor kitchens where it was, it had two
0: electric burners and a convection microwave, and that was it. Uh, I'm feeling very attacked Uh right now. (laughs) <laughs> but it was one of those things that he never
1: never had any need he he like worked in an, a job in which he like had ordered it in for breakfast lunch and dinner and it was just something that allowed us to start to have fun people loved it because the way I think too often with food content people are talking at you and in what we did it was a conversation it was talking about the really like he was asking questions that beginners ask that most people in my field overlook because we just assume that everyone knows it and to have that kind of balance was just like really great people loved it so we kept doing it and they're fun and we do them time to time now i do them live because we just get the audience in as well and he's great with like responding to comments and and being the the, yeah yeah, make him
0: do the work honey make it (laughs) You know, it's a partnership, right? And you got to bring in those dollars. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you're married. And how does that all kind of play into... Because what one of the most beautiful things that I find about you, uh, besides the face, is the fact that you're so deeply rooted in your heritage, you know? And as as we all know, you know, religion isn't like the best place or the most accepting place of uh, people of an LGBTQ nature. And so how does, how did that like, you know, play in with your family or and play into just your life as a whole? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because the, the, our relationship is probably the whole reason
1: for everything. Um, I'm very, I mean, I grew up in a very secular household. I was I was bar mitzvahed I went to Hebrew school as a kid We would do the the big holidays With the family But we didn't like actively go to temple We didn't actively like We didn't didn't have Shabbat growing up We don't keep kosher Any of those things So very much like that Seinfeld-esque picture Of an Ashkenazi Jew in New York
0: Mm -hmm. As an
1: adult When we met It became this conversation Because he had no No perspective of anything I grew up with. He is Iraqi Persian Jewish, so his definition of Jewish food is not the same as my definition of Jewish food. He had never had babka. He, like, the traditions, the rituals, the recipes, they're all different. At the end of the day, we're still part of the same tribe. We're still part of the, the same customs. We just celebrate them differently. So it became this journey of exploring like, what did us being a young Jewish couple mean to us. And the second part of that was we wanted gay friends. We didn't have any gay friends. There are, you see all these people with their gaggles of gays that they go to the clubs with or they go to Fire Island. Or
0: they they get on a boat in Puerto Vallarta that sinks during a pandemic.
1: (laughs) God bless
0: gays over COVID. That's it, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> Shout out. Oh, my God. It's the first Gays Over COVID mention on, on Instagram. The best, the
1: best. The best. The best. And there's this incredible Twitter thread that they shared kind of explaining why it's so, like as an example of Gays Over COVID is so important to our community in terms of accountability, in terms of, of a lot of the toxicity that infiltrates the gay community. But that's a whole separate conversation. Anyway. And a whole separate whole podcast. A whole separate podcast yes. with um, us. We started like, all right, I had we had a few friends that we knew. So we're like, all right, let's go to the, the like, where do you find gay people? I mean, gay bars. We don't drink. I, we don't, I'm, I, we're, we're not like sober. We're just not, we're very, well, I always say like we're like the New York Mag article, we're Cali sober. Um, but we, we're we just not, that was not, not our thing. So if we were going to gay bars to meet, like, make friends with a small group and hopefully grow it, we would just be building a community around a ritual that we don't actually enjoy of drinking um, and of being in large groups which also you don't know, like um, so uh, we <laughs> were like great why don't we try synagogue and there's this incredible queer congregation in New York, CBST mm-hmm. and we went and it was wonderful but Alex grew up even more secular than I did he wasn't bar mitzvahed, he didn't go to Hebrew school so he didn't have the kind of like just familiarity than I did so it became a beautiful thing that we enjoyed, but just still wasn't it. And then we started hosting Shabbat and it very much scratched that itch in the same way that hosting those dinner parties in high school did, in the sense that we were able to like build community, explore our food cultures. I got to like show him all of the dishes I grew up with. I got to learn and cook the dishes he grew up with. And at the same time, We got to have fun and have this conversation with all of these people, some of them friends we've known forever, some of them people I just, like, met on Instagram. A perfect example, and I'd say I talk about him. I mean, he's one of my best friends. His name's Evan Ross Katz. He's a a writer and uh, has his own incredible podcast. And we we were, like, we followed each other on Instagram. And this was in, like, 20, I don't even remember. It was three years ago, I think, I hosted my first Shabbat. And... I just like you should come over to for to Shabbat. And he came to the first one and he's come to pretty much everyone ever since. And he's one of my best friends. And it was all based on that ex like that extension of an invitation where there was no there was no nothing. There was no expectation. It was just come over, let's meet come eat food. And I, I feel like I have done that to so many people and I've had people over for Shabbat that I really could have never imagined actually coming to my dinner table because of the fact that there's just something so raw about extending hospitality and welcoming someone into your home for a meal.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love that. And back in the day, like um, when, you know, Twitter was beginning and blogs were really like, you know, starting to pick up traction, there was a whole gay like... They were called tweet-ups, and there was, like, a whole, like, um, quote-unquote, the early-on gay influencers that I was, like, part of the circle that we would do these tweet-ups and I'd go to meet each other at the bars and, you know, and uh, I still have some friends from that, and I love that. And PS.com, I have not received a Shabbat invite, <laughs> and I need one yes. <laughs> because I live I live for a Shabbat dinner, um, although I am Boricua. You know, New York, New Yorican, all through and through. I, I live for a Shabbat. Mm-hmm. I have been to plenty. I love that. Um, and, you, and that was and, the thing. It became this, this space. And while it originated as a queer Shabbat, and it often
1: was queer Shabbat, it then just became like Shabbat in the sense of there are Fridays when it's like, great, let's pick a category of people that we want to bring in. And sometimes it was like, colleagues people from the food world that I want to bring in sometimes it was some of my my husband's colleagues like let's bring them and host them and and it it then became this really fun game of mixing and matching people of who's going to get along with who how are we going to drive the conversation we have a few close friends that are of the um I don't like to like name drop. So they're like, they're just of the, 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 the affluent community of New York. And one of the number one things that they've done in terms of inspiring and mentoring us that we've taken from their friendship has been the way that they so carefully curate every dinner, every event, every weekend to, to really build that kind of community. And I think that it's such an yeah. art and
0: a skill. Yeah, um, very similarly. I used to throw something called Big Gay Thanksgiving, where I would do the same thing. There, there would be like, um, you would get an invite, and there were oh, oh so many seats, and there would there would always be one stranger to the group, like maybe somebody I had met out at, yeah. at a bar, or somebody I had come across, and we had just met. And I'd be like, Hey, do you want to come to this? And then there would be seating, like so that the extroverts wouldn't all sit next to each other you know and it would all be like carefully planned out and then the humdinger as I would call him would be placed you know right in the middle of it all like to get absorbed and yeah it was great it became too much and it because everybody wanted in Nothing. and it was just too much to produce out of 120 square feet. You know? Valid. <laughs> So, I mean, I love all of this. And I think um, we're going to pick this up again in a minute. But I think now I really want to take you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call, Jake, Food News Update. News Update. Food News. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Food News Update. Yeah. Budweiser, Coke, and Pepsi won't be airing Super Bowl ads this year. Look at that! Did you hear about this?
1: I mean, I did not, but I'm—you uh, know—I'm not like—I'm not watching the Super Bowl. I know not The boy who isn't the weekend, like I don't need. Uh, there's no. There's zero, <laughs> zero after the last Super Bowl where like we got an actual like performance. I don't need it for the weekend. Yeah. I don't need to see the ads. I will say it's like. I don't think it is ever such a great use of money in the sense that to spend so much on an advertisement of a sports show versus what they can be doing that in terms of putting that back into communities that
0: yeah. spend a lot. I mean, well, this is part of the reason at least Budweiser is backing out, right? Because these 30 spot um These 30-second spots are an estimated 5.5 million, according to Associated Press. But Anheuser-Busch, which usually runs a Budweiser and a Bud Light ad during the Super Bowl, um, has backed out, and they're going to spend the money on coronavirus vaccine awareness, coronavirus vaccination awareness efforts. Efforts. Can you love it? Love it. Love it. Yeah and so then once the bars open they're going to uh, um send some of the money to relief in person. I think that's the most important well. thing right
1: now because they are hit so hard
0: the restaurant
1: world especially the bar world because you think about like restaurants have pivoted to takeout but it's like bar world is about it being a social setting the, the idea of people yeah. people aren't doing takeout for their uh, this some are in terms of like cocktail programs but they're definitely hit a lot harder.
0: Yeah. And so I'm here for that, but, uh, Budweiser, 100%. Put the money, give the money back to the people who are, you know, buying the product, yeah. right? Because it'll only just come back to you, yeah, right? 100%. Right. Yes. Nothing says I love you like a bouquet of heart shaped Tyson chicken nuggets. I mean, I'm
1: not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like say that there's I'm not going to say anything bad about this because like I love a good dino nugget so what what's another shape I will say in general I mean I'm not into like I like the I try to not buy any of the really processed farm conventional agriculture chicken when I can but in general a heart-shaped nugget is not something to
0: to point your at. I mean Valentine's Day is right around the corner, Jake, and you have a husband to think about. And what better way to say I love you love than like some Tyson? Yeah. He would, I'm, I hope you can't. He's not listening right now
1: because I'm going to get them for him because he'd love it. He'll love it. He'll love it. He'll be better than any chocolates. He would love that.
0: Well, there's a catch, though. So you'll need to enter a contest to get your hands on a bag. The brand's Chicken Nugget Bouquet Contest started February 1st and calls on Nug lovers, this is from purewow.com, uh, to craft their best nugget bouquet and share it on social media. Just post a photo of your masterpiece on Instagram or Twitter and tag uh, Tyson, Uh, and hashtag Nugget Bouquet Contest uh, by February 17th. Then the panel of judges will evaluate the bouquets based on originality, creativity, presentation, and theme. One grand prize winner will score five grand for a staycation and a year's worth of Tyson Chicken Nuggets. And an additional 150 winners will win a bag of limited time heart-shaped nuggets. I love that. You've already lost me because it's too
1: much work. But yes, I think it's going to be incredible for that one winner.
0: I also think it's too much work. But I am I feel like I'm up for the... Ch- I'm usually never up for anything. What of else these, are people What doing? else are we doing? <laughs> Jake, there was one time me and my best friend, Michael, um, may or may not have popped a special gummy. And um, you know, went out on the town, and on the way back, we stopped at McDonald's, and I ordered three twenty-piece nuggets. Yes,
1: and that's nothing. The, the,
0: nothing. The cashier looked looked at me, and she goes, 60? <laughs> you want sixty nuggets?" Our favorite thing. <laughs> we used to. What we would do is we would I mean, honestly, like, we're
1: we we are. Have you seen the last episode of Drag Race with Utica? There's that little thing. the asks the queen, uh, Utica, like, "Oh, have yeah. you ever smoked weed?" And she, she like does this like this like this like whole face random thing. Um, yeah. But yes, I'm a, like a very 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 big pothead. And the the thing is, is that you have to diversify. Your mistake is you got 60 nuggets. What we would do is we'd have someone order nuggets, someone order Thai food, someone order a
0: pizza, and then you share. It's
1: the all oh, variety. No.
0: No, you, what ended up happening is because we were craving Buffalo ranch mm. dressing. So we got a bunch of Buffalo ranch. And then for some reason, when I partake of th- this sort of thing, um, the edible gummies, that is um, black pepper, like fresh ground black pepper, for some reason, tastes very, very, very delicious. It's everything very, d- it's floral. It's floral. It's aromatic. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know what it is. So so I mixed the buffalo ranch and then tons of fresh cracked black pepper. And we were just like, oh, this is so delicious. Oh, my God. We couldn't get enough. We couldn't get enough. We couldn't get enough. He ended up staying over. We woke up in the morning, right? And in my little kitchen was the remnants of nuggets. And, we, and I looked in this bowl and I was like, oh, my God, Michael. And he goes... We are disgusting human beings It was just a bowl of black sauce (laughs) Because we had put So much black pepper in it (laughs) Love it Into it Into it Delicious You know what All I have to say is I think you and I Are here for the nuggets But If I actually participate And win uh, Since I'm single And ready to mingle I will I will send you I will have Tyson Send you the nuggets
1: And you you keep You keep the five grand I just want the nuggets
0: Yes, right? Or maybe I'm just one of those 150 winners that just get the nuggets, you know? Love it. Or we could or we could split them or something, you know. <laughs> and last but not least, there is a $20 bill out there that is selling for almost $70,000 because there is a banana sticker on it. Uh, uh, things like that are like what remind me that
1: like the dark side of capitalism <laughs> it's just not there's There's no I have no comment on that other than like it's no different from I saw another thing that was selling for a thousand dollars and it was a potato chip that was shaped like a goldfish cracker and it was it was selling for a thousand dollars and just any anything that has doesn't have value and I get like the there's a, a big bigger conversation in terms of art and the value we put on it and price but
0: no. But this is, this wasn't even art. It's a sticker. It's, funny it's a thing. sticker. It's a Chiquita Banana sticker. Well, it's actually a Del Monte There, there you go. Um, there we go. sticker. <laughs> um, but, you know, some random student, like, had pulled this out of an ATM, and he saw this, uh, the dollar bill actually, or the $20 bill, actually had the Del Monte sticker printed on it. Like, it was, so I never knew that, um... In the printing process, it goes through three prints, and somewhere along the line, one of the workers put a Del Monte sticker on it, and now part of the part of the seal and the serial number are printed over the sticker. So it's actually part of the bill.
1: Well, that all right. It's a little a little more mint in the sense of of it is unique.
0: Still not worth seventy grand. No. So it originally sold for around. $10,000 Ten thousand dollars, and then it resold for just over twenty-five, and now it's uh, upwards of sixty-seven or eighty-one thousand dollars, including the twenty percent buyer's premium. Just so you could have this twenty-dollar bill with this, like you know, Del Monte sticker, you know, printed in it, and this is—it's just so weird. He um, from heritage auctions this guy says most of these errors in this class aren't worth as much but this one just has captured everyone's fascination it even made like the cover of coin week look at that
1: <laughs> uh no it's a no, no
0: from <laughs> it's like very strong. like i'm out
1: and for that reason i'm out <laughs>
0: And for that reason, I think this is a great way to end food news update. How was that um, for you? Was that was, was, was that? Loved <laughs> I loved everything about that. Uh, you may you may be one of my favorite food news co anchors yet. You know, <laughs> we may need to flesh that up. Have your people call my people. I want to get back to just kind of you and your man and and whatnot. And I'm really curious about what coming out was like for you. Easy. I, I, it's really
1: like one of those things where, where I think it is so, such an important conversation to be talking about that process on the full spectrum of experiences. For myself, I came out to an incredibly supportive family and had nothing but love Outpouring from each and every one of them. My husband had a similar experience. For others, that's not the case, and I think the most important thing is that um, in media we're seeing representation of both. Because for so long, I think "Call Me by Your Name" and "Love, Simon" got a lot of like a lot of criticism, and rightfully so in in some aspects. But for others, like my my always response to that was like this was the first time that I saw. My family represented and my personal experience kind of play out in terms of my internal coming to terms with sexuality. Versus, I think it's equally important to see the like prayers for Bobby experiences as well. And 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 I just think I just think there there is like we talked about in terms of food. It's like everyone is going to go through this world differently based on their own family journey, and it's just important. For people to have that kind of exposure no matter what.
0: Yeah. And this is what I talk about a lot on this podcast. Our stories matter. And I have gotten a full gamut of everyone's stories uh, from, you know, growing up in foster care to being kicked out of the house to really amazing stories like you that just, you know, it was easy, but you never know who it's going to resonate exactly. with and and how it's going to resonate in that way. So um, what a blessing it is to have such a family. I was also very lucky that my mom is the best and, you know, loves loves her gay bar. You know, you can't pull her out of the bar. <laughs> and, I mean, I've had my own... I have my own issues with Call Me By Your Name, not necessarily the movie itself, but the people in it. Um, you know, even though he's gotten a lot of traction lately, right? Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean those those DMs were just like, Oof. yeah, they were. I mean, uh, it's on the subject of food, right? Cannib- cannibalism. We haven't talked about <laughs> it on the pod. It's on. the <laughs> subject. We've had a lot of firsts on this pod <laughs> with you, Jake. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Talk to me about this book. When's uh, It's coming out in the spring. Yep. March what? What are we? What are we to expect? What's what's your favorite thing about it? Tell me everything. I just think it's it's super personal. It's super campy.
1: It's, it's fun. It's very much an extension of myself. It has recipes from my family. It has recipes from my husband's family. And there's recipes that I've developed as part of our relationship and then kind of mashed the two together. The key part is, like, the whole book was developed through Shabbat. So, like, I've tested these recipes as I was like cooking for others on Friday night. So it's all meant for like cooking for others and extending hospitality. And it is a lot of work went into it. I think you see a lot of times cookbooks, these like short little head notes of like, this is yummy. I like to put this and this together. Each recipe has a story, has a little short essay about it's either historical significance, family significance, personal significance, all of it. And it's it's really like I always like to say it's like it's our love
0: story. Oh, I love that! Oh my god, I absolutely love that. What's your what like? What's your favorite moment out of the book? Probably the author photo.
1: The author photo is so ridiculous, and the fact that they like I had to fight for it because it you. I mean, I'm like you just have to go see. I shared a photo on my Instagram of it, but it was I wanted to recreate like a very campy. Thing it's me holding a, a. Remember there was that kid who did his yearbook photo with his cat with the laser beams, and I recreated that yeah. with the challah.
0: Oh, this. Yeah, <laughs> this one, <laughs> and that's blown up in the book. Oh my god, how how very like late eighties. That's it. Like, it was, it was I, wanted it, I
1: wanted it to just be hundred percent authentic too to me. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to compromise. I don't want this to be commercial. I want it to be very much exactly how I envision it. And I, I love that. I was very blessed by advice from someone I really, I really look up to in this industry. And the, the story pretty much came down to it's like, your publisher won't work with you again, if the book is a flop. So it might as well be exactly how you envision it, that you think it would be a success. Because that's it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't if it's a success or if it's not a success. That's out of your hands. The most important thing is that it is as much in line with what you want it to be.
0: I love that. I love that. And once, uh, do we have an actual release March date or 9th. is it just March 9th? march 9th march 9th and tell the kids where they can pre-order please anywhere fine books are sold literally everywhere um amazon bards and noble
1: target walmart but also uh bookshop uh indie bound a lot of local you check your local indie store um indie bookshop on their website they probably have it already ready for pre-order
0: I love yes, in the words of Dan Pelosi, uh, I am live. I-, I live, laugh, lasagna. I have the shirt. It's in my. It's in my drawer. I have the shirt. <laughs> you don't even. Of course. My goodness this has been so much fun with you I don't want I don't want it to end jake I don't want it to end but we do have to say goodbye thank you so much for just giving me all of your time and being such like such a joy and such like a, a- a, a joyous spirit today thank This you. has been absolutely wonderful And I truly believe that this was Right time, right place And this was the exact moment that Like we needed to come together In, in this uh, sphere So I am very grateful for you today So thank My you My pleasure, it was so much fun In your mouth listeners um, If you want to follow Jake Cohen You can go to his Instagram At Jake Cohen, right Jake? Yep. Right? At Jake Cohen everywhere. Also, you can go to wakeandjake.com. That's his website. That obviously needs to be updated. (laughs) (laughs) It's so pretty though. Uh, I would have never known if you told me. It's it's really beautiful. I may steal an idea or two of yours once I get off my tukas and um and get moving with mine again. But, um, yeah, thanks again. Go follow Jake. Go show him all the love. Uh, you can always show me love at In Your Mouth Pod or at The Kitchen Gailey on Instagram. You can buy merch at www.themunoz.com forward slash mouth merch. And with that, you know, I'm just going to keep celebrating three years of In Your Mouth Um giving it to you and giving it to you hard weekly. And as always, thank you for listening to In Your Mouth!